Amen. Maybe seated. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, so glad that you are here in person or um, online. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here, and uh, yeah, it's good to good to see you. And if I can't see you, then I'm still glad that you're online with us. Okay. <clears throat> so today um, we'll be in our series. We're kind of coming to the end of this, and uh, we'll be moving into a little bit of a shorter series on uh, wisdom um, based out of Proverbs. Uh, but I want to finish out Second Timothy well. Um, I feel like it's been a, a really good series um, for me, and I know we've heard a lot of things from God's Word that uh, have been uh, excellent to hear. I know He's been teaching us a lot. So um, yeah, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. There's some ESV copies in front of you uh, in the little insert in the chair. And if you don't have a Bible, um, then that's our gift to you today. Words will be on the screen as well. Uh, and so in this series, Enduring Faith, today we'll be looking at this idea of being trustworthy. So who is trustworthy? Maybe if you were to think about that word trustworthy, somebody would come to your mind, uh, maybe a friend or a family member, somebody that you know you can go to. Um, and in those times, <clears throat> whether it's good or bad, uh, we're always looking for direction in life. We're always looking for that next step. And my guess would be that when those seasons come, a decision is coming up and you go, I, I need to make a good and a right and a wise decision. I need to have right direction. And you're going to go to somebody trustworthy. Well, what if I were to tell you that the first place you could or you should go to is God's Word? That may not be a surprise to most of you in the room, uh, but maybe it is for the first time you've heard that, and today will be a good day no matter what for either one of you. Uh, in the room, whether or not you look to somebody in your life, maybe it's a mom, a dad, or you just go, you know what, I need to get direction from the Lord, and we always do. Um, so uh, with that, go ahead and turn your Bible, 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. Um, share a story with you before we start. Um, Christy and I got to uh, go um, away for a few hours yesterday and went down to PA for a little bit. And praise God for grandparents, by the way. <laughs> uh, they were there to watch a couple of the kids and took the baby with us. But on the way there and back, um, I'm always just trying to make observations and look at things. And ever since Andy's message, he, he talked about bumper sticker, <laughs> bumper sticker faith. Uh, I've been checking out bumper stickers a little more often. You know, we tend not to look at those. So I saw one that was going down the road, um, passing us, and it said, uh, it said, remember America and God we trust. And if you think, I, you know, I think I've heard that somewhere before, it's because it's on every piece of money that we have. And it's been that way for a long time. And I thought, well, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen that uh, bumper sticker before, but it kind of rings true. Uh, Matt talked about that this morning as well. We've, we've departed in a lot of ways um, as a nation and as a people, those who would call ourselves believers. Uh, we really have to look and go, is my life matching up with what God's Word says? When I have to make an important decision, when I need direction in my life, is the most trustworthy person and word that I go to the Word, the Bible? And so today we'll look at that. And we'll get some direction, okay? And so first fill in the blank is going to be God versus man. God versus man. Um, you heard of the TV show probably uh, Man versus Wild. Uh, and maybe some of you have seen that. I always love those shows where they're like, they drop somebody um, in the middle of nowhere. And it's, uh, it's really kind of eye-opening and entertaining if um, somebody kind of knows what they're doing. Like they have nothing. They don't have a compass. And they're like, you know, making like this compass out of like water and a stick. And you're like, how did they? they do that? Like, if they dropped me there, I'd be like, I'd just be praying. I'm like, somebody come rescue me, you know? I'm never going to make it. I'm just never going to make it, right? Uh, we love watching those kind of shows because you know, we like to see people who, like, they're skilled in something. They know what they're doing. They can get themselves out of that situation. And in the same way, 
I think sometimes we like we look when things come to God versus man's opinion, and we go, we go, what am I capable of? Like that's the ceiling of what's possible in life. That's what I can do. Um, and I've heard even many of us, many of the believers um, who are in here, when we have conversations. We go, but what can God do? When it comes to God versus man and the way that we operate and do things, man, he's capable of a whole lot more. So, And that's where Paul starts here in this section. Um, as he's talking to the church in Ephesus and he's giving instruction to Timothy, he says this in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So God wants us to understand one thing in particular about himself. And we'll see this as the text is unraveled. Uh, that he doesn't have any limits, right? He created the universe. We, we've just been reading that through the quiet time, and then, and then man made a bad choice. Adam and Eve together, they made that choice, and they, they were kicked out of the garden. And it's, it's kind of it's tough to read. Like, if you look through the, the first accounts of Genesis, like things start really well. Um, there, God creates everything. He creates it in seven days, and it's magnificent. And then and every time he says it's good, and then he creates man and woman. He said this is very good, right? So they, these are his image bearers. And then as the story continues to go on and on, more people enter the picture, bad stuff starts to happen. Then we get to the quiet time today, and God's like, man, you guys have really made a mess of things. And then he, he sees Noah, and he goes, Noah, he's a righteous guy. But everybody else, man, what, what are you doing, right? So Augustine, who is a church father, said this about verse 8. He said, let us believe in Christ crucified, but in him as the one who rose again on the third day. That's the faith that distinguishes us from them, other religious systems and beliefs of man. There's a lot of things that people trust in, aren't there? If we were to be honest, probably we would say, well, I trust in myself, you know, or on my own ability more than something else. And when it comes to like, you know, how I view God, like I know he can do great things, but it's kind of based on what I'm capable of. Like when I hit the ceiling, like that's, that's the limit of what God can do in my life. But maybe if for a moment we could remember the God that we serve and like what the word says about him, because when we read this, Paul's like, he's, he's sitting in chains in prison and he's having to encourage everybody else. And he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So what did, what did Jesus do? Well, number one, he overcame death and sin. And so when we think about just the things that are possible for us, like we, what, that, was, that was going bad, wasn't it? It's like sin entered the picture and just corrupted everything. And we were hopeless without God. And then Jesus entered the picture, and, and what did he do? He, he proved who he was, God in the flesh who conquered sin and death, and we're just going like, we couldn't conquer death, right? We couldn't conquer sin. Sometimes we're just going like daily, I can't, like, I can't conquer sin. Like, it's just not working, right? Uh, but what does God do? Well, he conquers it for us. And um, man, that's the good news that he overcame it for us. He's limitless, isn't he? So, you know, we like watching those shows, like, you know, we see those guys kind of come out of the wilderness or you know, other shows that are out there. It's like they drop somebody who has no idea what they're doing. Sometimes it's even more entertaining, right? You just like watch them struggle and you're like, uh, <laughs> glad I'm not there because <clears throat> that's what we do, right? Without God. And then verse 9 says, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So what has God overcome? Well, he's overcome sin and death, right? He doesn't have any limits there. But more than that, and Paul says, he's, he's highlighting his own limitations. He's like, I can be thrown in prison. I can be killed. But how is God limited? He's not limited in any way. So he not only overcame sin and death, but what else did he overcome? He, you know, it, yeah, if we compare ourselves to God, we're like, man, that's God's, I mean, he can only do so much, you know, because it depends on me. It doesn't, and this is why Paul says, he goes, he goes, I'm in chains as a criminal. I'm bound, 
But what's not bound? He says, the word of God. I love this word in the Greek here. The word for bound is deo. And uh, it highlights this idea of, of uh, not being fastened to or restrained. So <clears throat> when culture bears down on the word or comes up with new ideas or you know, we're being more enlightened as society uh, and we hear these ideas are just crazy, you know, we're like, wait a minute, that's not what God's word says. And, and, and he's not worried about it though, right? He's going, you guys can, you can do whatever you want all the live long day. And then we think about, <laughs> we think about that bumper sticker and it's like, man, have we forgotten, right? Maybe as a nation, hopefully not as believers in the room, and as those that can encourage others because of the words, not bound. We forget, right? We make mistakes um, all day long. And I think part of this, too, is like when we think about God versus man and like our capabilities and, and just like who's really trustworthy in our lives? Like is it, again, is it that friend, that family member? Is it God that we go to first? Now have those other godly people in your life, but when it comes down to it, who helps us? Who gives us direction? Well, we know that it's God. And this starts at a young age, too. I feel like um, for us as like parents, too, like right now I'm just thinking about like everything that I do, everything that I say, the way that I act with my kids, they're going to directly correlate with who God is, and they're going to understand who he is. Like when they grow up, they're going to be like, here's all these things I was taught. Here's all these things that I learned. And I'm just like praying. I'm hoping every day that those things match up with God's word. I'm like, if I deviate, I'm like, God, don't let them listen to that. If I make a mistake, let them go, man, God's word is the standard, right? Not a human being. Who makes mistakes? Um, and so we were reading a story the other day, um, Alana and I, where we always do like the quiet time in the morning. Um, that's fresh. And then at night we do the Bible story. And we were reading the account in um, one of our children's Bibles about um, God's people coming out of the land of Egypt. They've been rescued. Pharaoh's like, he's finally just like, okay, go. Like we have nothing left. Like you've destroyed everything. You know, God has proven that he's God over everything, right? And they're walking out and they get to the Red Sea and they're like, what are we going to do? And God's not worried again, right? Because he's limitless. And so what happens? The sea opens up. They walk across on dry land. Oh no, Pharaoh's army is pursuing. I love reading stories to kids too, because when you're telling them stuff like, oh, Pharaoh's army is coming. You got like pictures in the book and she's like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, oh, it's good. It's coming. So, so they're pursuing him, and they get right. They get in the water, or they get in the. You know, they come out of the dry ground. God lets them go that far, and he's like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna finish this thing." And what happens? The water comes back over him, and I think many times, even when we're reading like stories to our kids and we're talking about those things, we're like, just leave out a little bit of the detail because it's kind of scary, right? Or it's kind of difficult. And so I, I read it like that, and then yeah, Pharaoh's army, God conquered him. Like end of story. And uh, Alana goes, did they all die? <laughs> I was like, yeah, they did. And that's what happens. And when those people opposed God, the water came back over them. And then she asked me another question. I thought it was very interesting. She goes, are they still there in the water? It's like, that's an even better question. And I just read a, uh, several articles about this. So there are some divers over the last, like, um, 30 years, they're not allowed to go there anymore, of course. It's like when somebody goes and finds something from the Bible, then people freak out and they're like, whoa, wait a minute, you can't go there anymore. And furthermore, what you found, it's not what you found. <laughs> yeah, Let's just take our word for it, right? So, so we, I was talking to her about this, this article and uh, she didn't understand it, but I just said, yeah, actually, they went down there and they found them. She's like, what? <laughs> what? And, I, and then she said this to me. She goes, wow, God is really real. 
And, and I can't tell you how much that matters. Like when we're, we're talking to our kids, when we're talking to other people who we, we just think like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, man, like he can only, you know, get so far. He can only think so far. I can only share so much. When I'm talking to my friends, family, coworkers, like just hold a little bit of back because at times the Bible can be a little bit scary. It can be a little bit too much for people to handle. But what happens when we give the full counsel of God's word, even to little people? What do they do? Wow. God's the real deal, right? Oh, he's, got, he's got this thing under control. He's, and furthermore, look at all this proof that's out there, right? And they're always surprised. Like, don't go up there on Mount Ararat. Yeah, government in Turkey doesn't like that either. Don't go look at the ark. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not really there. It is. So you know, we talk about these things, and then we're so surprised. Like uh, when we, we come up to people who go, I don't know, if, is God really capable of that? Yeah, and the evidence of it, it's all around, right? And we sing about that too. And so that's the first fill in the blank, God versus man, and this idea of being just trustworthy. Who, we, who do we really trust? Like, what do we really believe in? The evidence is everywhere. It's not just in nature and things we talked about last week, um, the creation, and we open our eyes, not just read the Bible, we open our eyes other places, there God is, and the evidence of the history of what he's done is all there as well. So God versus man, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take God every single time, okay? And in this, we also find something else, and it's the second fill in the blank, uh, our purpose so we've got God versus man's limits. Um, God's limitless. We're bound, right? We're bound in a lot of ways, but God is not. Um, and then if we, if we can get ourselves to the place where we go, okay, God is capable of anything. Like he, for anything, he's, he, you know, anything we, we could think of or imagine, right? The Bible tells us that he's capable of more than that, right? So we think like, here's what I could do. Man, God's already thinking of like all these other things he's going to do. And we're like, it just blows our mind, doesn't it? So, and then we've got our purpose um, found in verse 10. So... It says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So why, why is Paul sharing this? He's already like, I'm in change. The Bible, God's word, is not bound. He says, so therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. So why is Paul doing this? Like He, he could have just gone, I mean, they were coming to him going like, Paul, hey, we'll let you go. Like you just, here, The only thing you need to do is say, Caesar is Lord. Because why was he there? Because Caesar, who was evil and wicked, blamed that fire in Rome on the Christians. And he was like, here's how I'm going to get to kill a bunch of them. And, and what, did he, what did Paul do? He goes, I could have taken the easy way out, but I didn't. And I'm in chains because of this. God's word is not bound. And furthermore, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, this word here for endure in the Greek, the hypomeno, um, it just means, hey, I'm not going to back down or run away. Don't you love that? Like, Paul's in chains, and he's like, I'm still not changing my mind, no matter what you guys do to me. Can you imagine reading this, like, as the church in Ephesus, Timothy? I mean, the encouragement that you would need to receive during that time. As people are being drugged out of their homes, they're being taken to the, taken to the Colosseum, thrown in jail, and they throw away the key. Yeah, we'll just let you rot in there. How about we do that, right? And so these were the consequences, and Paul says, hey, here's why I'm doing this. I'm going to endure this. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to say Caesar is Lord. I'm not changing my mind. I'm not backing down. Why do you say this? Well, for the sake of the elect. And when he says that, he means people who have already put their faith and trust in Jesus or those who will, because then he clarifies, and he says that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's going, there's a greater purpose to this church. 
Um, it's not just about us. And it's easy. Like, like we're, we default to thinking about ourselves, don't we? Like our, in, our, in our own wicked hearts. And I, and I, just, I have to catch myself all the time, too, because when somebody says something or somebody does something or maybe I want something a certain way, I go, well, this is what I want, and this is what I need to do in order to make that happen. We, we just have to go, like, God, stop us, right? Stop our own wicked hearts because we need your help, like, daily. And Paul says, look, I'm, I'm not doing this for me. He's making it very clear. I'm not sitting in chains here for me. I'm doing it because I believe this, right? He knows who the most trustworthy person is, God, and his word. And he says, look to that, and, 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 and there are going to be all these people who come afterwards. Like, they're going to they're gonna read about it. And Paul knew that. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm an apostle. Like, we're putting these things in the Bible, the word that's going to be given, and what I do right now matters. I, sometimes, too, we think, like, in our own purpose, like, you know, I'm just one person, and I'm in my little setting, or I'm, you know, doing this, or I'm doing that, I'm going to work, and, and we think, like, what we do doesn't matter, and, and that is one of the worst lies um, of the enemy, or we think even about ourselves, like, we're not valuable, but what does Paul say here? He, he could have been going, like, look, in, uh, everything is about me, hey, you guys should really be praying for me, and, and things have been really hard, I mean, think about me. No, he, he says, I'm doing this for those who believe and those who will believe. And if our perspective could just change that, like, the purpose of our life, one of the primary purposes is not just to know God, but then to make him known. Um, That was the main tagline of the church that uh, I was at growing up. It was simple. We just said, we want to be about knowing God and making him known. And what does that involve? Sometimes some difficult stuff, right? Because we can be bound. Um, Things can be made very difficult for us. But God's word, man, all we got to do is say it. You'd be surprised. Um... We would just speak it. Uh, it does a lot of work on its own, too. So God versus man's limits. We've got that. We've got our purpose down. And then we're going to take a little bit of time just to look at uh, doctrine. There's really kind of a, a big section um, of this. And Paul, he goes back and forth from like, here's why I'm doing this. He gives practical reasons. And then he goes, and don't depart from sound doctrine. This is why this is important. This is what we believe. Don't listen to somebody else who says something else or a good idea that comes up. We need to look to the most trustworthy source, which is God's word. And the theological term for this is doctrine, right? So we want to be about good doctrine. So we'll spend a little bit of time here. Uh, In verse 11, I'm going to give you like six things, okay? So if you're like, you like to write stuff down, then write them down. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, But there's three verses, but there's really kind of six like theological ideas um, that if you're going to write anything down, write these so in verse 11, um, we really see two things. Um, number one is that trusting uh, God's word as truth is extremely important. And um, again, I'll say that again. Trusting God's word as truth is extremely important because sometimes even people who would call themselves believers will go, trusting God's word is semi-important, but also what this person says, or also what that news channel that I like, or also what this politician says. And the problem with that is that that's not the gospel. That's not actually truth. So when we start mixing things, it's okay to listen to other sources, but then I'm always having to go like, okay, everything needs to be tempered and measured by God's word, doesn't it, right? That's like the, you know, that's like the sifter um, of our lives, right? So, so here's all the things that can fall through those holes, and it's anything that doesn't match up with God's word, right? Um, so we need, to, <laughs> we need to be thinking about that, all right? So trusting God's word is truth um, in a society that is ever-changing, um, seems like every day it's like, oh, I believe this, oh, I believe that, and everything is just, yeah, it's different. Uh, so then the second part of verse 11, before I read it, um, good, uh, there's this like lesson of doctrine. Number two is uh, dying daily 
for God is extremely important. Dying daily to God is extremely important. And there's a good, the, the consequence of this is that we live forever. It's pretty good news, right? <laughs> so we die daily in this life, but we live forever. We were just talking about this this morning as a family. It's like, yeah, sometimes things are hard. Sometimes we have to do difficult things, and life isn't always the way that we want it. But the good news is, physical life for us here is temporary, right? And then we're with God forever in eternity. And it, it's not worth comparing, is it? This present suffering, anything that we go through. So I'll read verse 11. All right, so there's two ideas on verse 11. Uh, the, sa- this, the saying is trustworthy, for we have died with him, will, we will also live uh, with him. So this word for like trustworthy, um, in the Greek it's the word pistos, um, and it just means it can be relied on. Right, so um, uh, there's a lot of things we can't really rely on nowadays. Uh, I was just kind of I was like going down the list of things like value of the dollar, right? Um, that's that's definitely one. Or um, you know how you like you used to book a flight like six months in advance, and you go to the airport and you get on, you know, you go through security, you get on, and everything would be good. You'd always get to where you needed to go, or most of the time. But now it's like like oh flight canceled, oh flight canceled, oh right yeah we'll get you another one tomorrow and you're like what is going on like we can't even we can't rely on things that have been semi reliable um, for a long time and, and there's so many other like fears and worries and things that go on our minds when we think about like what's actually reliable well what's for sure the only thing that we can rely on always what's God and His Word right so he says the saying is trustworthy. Um, a lot of people would say things during that time, too. There were so many influences that we've talked about, and I won't go uh, back into detail over those. Uh, but there were a lot of people saying, hey, you should believe this, or you should do that. But Paul's saying, this is a trustworthy word. We can count on it. We can rely on it. A lot of things we can't, but you can count on this. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, 4, because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, and when I've heard that verse, I know we've heard it many times before, and we go like, oh, yeah, that's good. Like, yeah, the Bible's important. Like, the Word's important. Like, trusting in God is important. But, but when you read that, the context of it is that, like, the Word is more important, than, or it should be more important than food to you. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not missing that next meal. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get away from that. I enjoy my food, and that's okay. Like, God's given it for enjoyment. But, but if we really look at what this is saying, like, Jesus is going, do you, do you love God's Word? Do you trust it more than that next meal you're going to get, like the satisfaction from that. Uh, he says, do we, do we trust in him? Because it should be more important to us. All right? Um, so those are those two ideas, right? So again, uh, idea one and two in verse 11. Uh, when we're able to take a step back and say, look, I trust God's word is truth, and, and no matter what else goes on around me, it's fine to like listen to things and, and be in the world, right? But not of it. We've probably heard that phrase before, but we have to measure everything to God's word. Um, and then the second thing in verse 11, um, if we were to frame it more, um, just kind of like how we would operate, uh, this is what I was thinking of. I believe that choosing to live like others' lives are more important will actually make a difference. And that the, if we believe what the gospel says, what God's word says, um, then these sacrifices we have to make daily, like dying to ourselves, like not getting everything we want, not doing everything we want, but thinking about what God's wants, because his word is trustworthy. Uh, and the, the blessings that we will see because he says we will live, we will also live with him. So um, it's good, right? Okay, so here's verse 12. Um, so those are the first two. Now the, uh, the next two, ideas three and four, uh, are this. Um, enduring to the end gives you a place of 
ruling. So like if we know God, if we follow him, if we're faithful, um, we actually will find ourselves, and the scripture talks about this through, I mean, throughout, um, that we have this royal place with God. That like we're seated with him and we're going to be those who will sit and judge the world in the end of all things. And, and sometimes we just like, we don't really think like we're valuable, we're worth anything. And God's like, that person is a part of my kingdom. That person is a prince or a princess. I, I remember um, something that uh, one of my uh, mentors um, did growing up. It actually was a couple. Um, they were youth ministers for a long time, and then they uh, served at a seminary teaching. Um, a guy's actually still teaching. His name's Richard Ross. Um, he's semi-retired, but he's, he's still teaching. And so um, he's taught me a lot. But one of the things that his wife did at the church I grew up at is she'd have like this every year, like this annual banquet for all the girls, like in the youth ministry. And, and it was, it, they all were dubbed princesses. When they came in, they were told, you know, wear the dress, your tiara, whatever you want. And uh, all the doors were open. They, all the chairs were pulled out uh, by godly men in their lives. And I thought, what a cool picture of, like, value. And we devalue everybody, right, don't we? It's so easy to, like, just give that, like, quick whip to make yourself feel better or to, better than somebody else for sure, right? That's kind of our culture, sarcasm, and all those other things that go along with it. But, but what if... Like, we really valued people, like, and we really gave words of encouragement. Um, and this is what God's Word points us to, right? So, I mean, during to the end really gives us this place of ruling. Um, and the second idea, uh, denying him gains us eternal separation. So there's really no middle ground. The world would like to tell you that there is. You can stay on the fence or, you know, just sort of do your own thing. But if you say you believe, then you'll still get into heaven. Well, um, a life uh, that follows will be important. So verse 12 says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Um, So here's just a few verses just to kind of support this beginning part. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Uh, Revelation 5.10 says, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Uh, Revelation 24-6 talks about this as well. And I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is a part of this first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God, of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Daniel seven twenty seven says, The kingdom of kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Zechariah fourteen nine says, And the Lord shall be king over all earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name is one. And then Paul said these words to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3. He said, Dare any of you, having any matter against another, go to the law before the, un- before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So here's just a, a few things to think about. The third idea, the third kind of just doctrinal statement or focus we should have in this verse, the scriptures are pretty clear that we will reign with God, right? 
Now we worship him and we'll be before his throne forever, but we've got this special placement. Like we're valuable. And I want you to ever leave like this place and just go like, I, don't, I mean, I'm not valuable. God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me, but he's given us this special place if we know him. We're royalty, but it requires being a true believer, right? So what does that look like? Well, just living out your faith, isn't it? And it's a lot easier than it sounds. We don't, we don't want to put this crushing way to being perfect because we're not, right? Nobody in the room is perfect. But do we pursue God daily? Do we die to ourselves daily? And then here's the fourth thing. Um, and it's not a popular thing. Um, you won't hear it very often, but hell is a real place, right? And it's where people will spend eternal separation from God. And, you know, I'm not known as like a, I was talking with somebody about this recently. Um, I'm not known as like a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I'm not going to sit here and yell at you and be like, if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you will spend eternity separated from him. But it doesn't mean that it's not true, right? And that, that hell's not this real place that we'll be separated and, and that we can just kind of hope like maybe we'll get into heaven. God has given us the keys to that. He said, my child, hey, here's what you need to do. Believe in me. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross. And confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of your life. And God says, hey, it, it doesn't have to be this way, right? Because we've got God versus man's limits. We've got um, our purpose. And then we've got these, these doctrinal statements uh, that really kind of help us understand who we are. Like, we are royalty. But the bad news is that, man, if, if we don't really believe, if we don't really know God, like, we need to make sure we do, right? Because that's important. There's eternal consequences um, for this. Some people will tell you, it's not a nice idea. I'd like to take that part out of the Bible. Well, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to take anything out of here, right? Because there's bad news for people that do that, right? Uh, especially as a teacher. I don't want to change any of these words. Um, so that's the fourth thing, right? Now on to verse 13. Here's the fifth thing, if you're writing them down. Even when we act badly, he always holds up his end of the deal, doesn't he? It's like we, yeah, we, we, we beat ourselves up so bad. Like at the end of the day, we're like, man, I just, I made so many mistakes. And it's not that we should make adjustments. It's not that we shouldn't be closer to God. But, but he says, hey, look, no matter what happens, if you really belong to me, like, there's nothing you could do to mess this up. Um, I always tell our girls, um, I've tried to be really intentional about this because it's so hard. Like again, in a world that just attacks everybody, that just makes everybody feel like trash, like most of the time, right? When there's not a lot of value being thrown around, I always tell them, like especially when something bad happens or maybe they've been disobedient. You can't imagine that happening, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but when it does happen, I go, look, there is nothing that you could do that would make me stop loving you. And, and isn't that good news, right? Not just as a child, but as a child of God. And when we, when we read these words, it's like it's so reassuring because, again, if we just have to hold everything together, then, man, it doesn't work, right? It's, it's always going to fail. Uh, <clears throat> and so here's the sixth idea, right? So that was the fifth. God's not going to deny himself. What he said he's going to do, he's going to do, all right? So God doesn't deny himself. He doesn't say, like we say things, right? We'll say like, yeah, I'll be there and then we don't show up, right? Or we say, yeah, we'll do that, and then we don't do it. Why? Because as human beings, I mean, we're unreliable at times, right? But God, the good news is he's not going to deny himself. He says something. He's going to do it, and we can count on that. Um, So verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is actually the same word for trustworthy, the word faithful, um, the pistos. And, and here it kind of just is more focused on um, whatever you use this idea for faithful, it can be relied on, right? You can take it to the bank, whatever you want to say. You can, you can cash it in. 
Um, it's always going to be there, right? Um, it's the gold standard, if you will. Uh, whoever said somebody's faithful, they're trustworthy, and we can count on God. I think about um, the account where, um, again, I always love these stories. Like, There's always certain stories in children's Bibles, too. Um, I love reading those with Alana. Another one we read recently um, was was Jesus when he, he comes out in the middle of a storm and the disciples, you know, uh, the boat's getting tossed and they're like, oh no, you know, we're going to die. <laughs> they, they, they don't stop to think like, oh, I, we know the God of the universe. And then he shows up on the water, right? He's walking on the water and they're like, it's a ghost, <laughs> right? You, you read that account and you, it's almost, you know, it's, it's comical, right? Because you know, like we know what's going to happen. And they realize, oh, right, it's Jesus. He talks to them. And what does Peter do? It was not... <laughs> Not what I would have done, right? I don't care if there's a storm, like Jesus is walking on the water. I'd be like, you, yeah, come get in the boat, all right? <laughs> come get in the boat. What does Peter do? He steps out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. I'm like, man, that would have been the last thing, right? And he starts walking, and you think like, oh, yeah, he's going to make it all the way. And then he looks down, right? And he starts to doubt. And then what happens? He starts to sink, right? But what does he do in that moment? He doubts. But he looks towards Jesus and he goes, Jesus, help me, right? And what does Jesus go, hey, you know what, man? You got yourself into this, right? You should, look, God of the universe, I could walk on water. You cannot. That was not a good move. I let it happen for a moment just because I wanted to be kind of a cool thing. But uh, now it's not so cool, all right? Get, you need to get back in the boat. No, he goes, he picks him up. He talks about his faith, right? He says, you could have made it. You could have made it to me. But you didn't, Right? So what's the good news is, man, I mean, we see those really amazing accounts of people doing just miraculous things in the Bible. They were like, that, that's awesome. And it is, right? But, but who's the one who holds up that, hold that together? Who's the one who's like, he's got all the power and the authority. And when, what, did, what did Peter do when he took his eyes off of him? It's like, don't look down if you have a fear of heights, right? He took his eyes off of him because he can't, well, I, I can't walk on water. This is not real, right? And then he falters, right? But Jesus picks him up. And the good news is Jesus is always faithful. So lesson number five, human beings, what are we? Well, we're faithless at times, right? We don't like to think about ourselves like that, but the good news is that's not what gives us value, right? We can go, in the same sense, we can go, we're faithless at times, but we're extremely valuable to God. Isn't that good, right? That we don't have to go like, Peter's not like, man, I didn't make it. And Jesus is like, I mean, your faith could have been better, man, but don't worry, <laughs> You're not the reason you could walk on water to begin with, okay? And then the sixth thing, he's the only God in his word, the only completely reliable thing in the entire universe. Like, things are going to go wrong, right? Stuff is going to happen. But if we could just focus in on, like, going, hey, look, I know I've got limits, but God does not. His word does not. If we could go, hey, my purpose is not centered on what I'm capable of, but what God wants me to do. And furthermore, maybe, maybe, Life is about more than just me. Like if we could get past that and go, hey, there's going to be people who are going to come after me and they're going to be looking to me. Like the church in Ephesus was looking to Paul. And what is he going to say? He's like, I'm doing this for you. I'm enduring all these things for you. Those who already know Christ and those who will know him. So he's reliable. Where does all this leave us? Well, this focus on good doctrine, we can't depart from it, and it always points us back to our need for God. Like I know sometimes we go, I don't like to feel helpless. I don't like to feel weak. I don't like to feel like that, right? I like to be able to, you know, do things and like have people go like, wow, that was impressive. 
But at the end of the day, none of this rests on me, right? None of this rests on you um, in the room. Um, I know at times we, we bear, like, again, this just like unbearable weight, but, but who puts that there? We do. We, go, we can do it. We can't. But God can, and that's the good news. And if we would stick close to right doctrine, if we would go, yeah, I know that's what God's word says, but I'm having a bad day like that, we should just throw that statement in the trash and go, I know I'm having a bad day. Man, I'm so glad that God gives me value, and he lifts me up, and no matter what happens, I trust in his word. It's good news, right? What happens at the end? Well, we stand before him, and, and if we can hold fast to these, these ideas, the good news is standing before him, he's going to go, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Is he going to say because of what you've done? No. He's, he's going to say because of what I've done. Man. It's good news. He picks us up. And I, I want to close with something a little bit different. As we think about the, the bumper sticker, um, remember America and God we trust. Let's not forget that. Even as believers, at, at times we can, right, we can forget. We can go, I don't know. Today's a hard day. Uh, but let's remember that together. We're not limited because we have God. We've got a great purpose in this life, and we've got to stick close to the Word. Like, we can't go anywhere else for our source of objective moral authority. Um, the only place it rests is God and His Word. And so what I'd like to do is just uh, pray for a few things. Um, I'd like to do just kind of a time where I'm going to ask you to pray on your own um, for a few of these things. So number one um, <clears throat> is to pray for us to see that God doesn't have limits. Like really, just take a moment. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, and then I'll go to the next thing, and I'll go to the next thing, and then I'll close this in prayer, okay? So um, take that time. Let's pray that God would help us see, even this week, that he doesn't have limits, okay? Go ahead. Here's the second thing, that we would uh, pray for us to understand um, our purpose in life. Um, whatever that may be, what it should revolve around is um, maybe us making sacrifices, thinking that other people are more important. So let's pray about that for a moment. Here's the last thing, that we would pray for God to continually wash over us um, with the water of the word, um, <clears throat> and that we would not depart from his words. Let's not replace them with anything else, so let's ask God to help us maintain that in our daily walk with him. All right, and I'll close this together. Uh, Father, we come to you today, and um, we're thankful that you don't have limits, that your words are not bound. Um, God, we have many limits. 
we are thankful that you use us um, as uh, vessels. I, I pray that we would be willing vessels for whatever that might be, um, even to suffer. Uh, what Paul talks about, I pray that um, if we really understood this purpose in our lives, um, that there would be nothing that we wouldn't do for you. Um, there would be no length that we wouldn't go to, um, that our ultimate purpose would be to see uh, others come to know you, God, to know you ourselves, and um, that the world around us through us would know you. Um, thank you for using us in that way. Uh, we pray that you would keep us close to you and to your word. Let us not depart from it. Um, God, we pray that uh, we would have a right view um, that this word it is relevant uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, and that we did not write it, and um, God, you did. We're thankful for it, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. I hope you have a uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful day, all right?